Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In this podcast, you will hear from experts who discuss treatment and management strategies for CAR T cell associated toxicities, including cytokine release syndrome, immune effector cell associated neurotoxicity syndrome, and infections. First, Eleni Gavrilaki highlights strategies to minimize the occurrence of CRS and ICANS. This is a very interesting issue, so um, we are really interested not only in the clinical part but also in the translational research on how to minimize uh, CRS and ICANS. So that's why we use in our everyday practice the bedside EG and the close collaboration with neurologists and ICU doctors. And um, we believe that this strategy has led us to zero ICU hospitalization, the first two indications. And this strategy has helped us uh, throughout the most severe uh, patients. Uh, we all know that tocilizumab and dexamethasone uh, are needed to early in the process. We do not need to be afraid of them. And we also now know that we have more drugs um, against interleukins, um, like anakinra or cetuximab, uh, that we can use in the high-risk patients. And uh, my personal view is that we need to know more about this and gather these experiences because if you try to look at guidelines and recommendations you will see only two two rows of <laughs> of thinking and sentences about them and maybe we need to emphasize more on that because we want to save all our patients next you will hear from kevin mcnerney who discusses treatment approaches for severe and refractory CRS and ongoing research in this space. So there's really, you know, beyond using um, tocilizumab um, and people commonly using steroids for CRS, there's really no standard for what you use post um, those two therapies. If you've given multiple doses of tocilizumab and um, and you're already on steroids, um, it's sort of um, your using clinical judgment management to, uh, and then uh, some guidelines that have been put up and really no um, evidence-based guidelines for management of severe CRS. And so um, we and others have, have published um, cases on using um, emipalumab as a, a way to treat life-threatening CRS um, when other um, agents have not worked. Um, and in small case series that has shown uh, benefit. Um, but um, the other commonly used uh, medications that are used to treat refractory CRS um, include anakinra, um, which um, there are several centers now that are trying to incorporate that a little bit earlier when it seems like tocilizumab and steroids are not having the effect desired. Um, and I think that that has uh, promise for being beneficial potentially earlier on in therapy as opposed to waiting until patients get incredibly sick from CRS. Um, other therapies that are, um, are sometimes used include siltuximab, which targets IL-6 directly instead of the IL-6 receptor like tocilizumab. Um, there have also been um, reports on using this in CRS, and there was one actually at TCT that had talked about using siltuximab um, in the management of, of refractory CRS. Um, and then 
um, beyond um, those, the um, the life-threatening um, CRS that has been unresponsive to steroids, uh, tocilizumab, and then things like um, anakinra and um, siltuximab, um, I think that's when uh, things like gamafanter and mepalumab begin to be considered um, because you're targeting interferon gamma, it's been shown to be effective in um, primary HLH, and there's um, often very elevated interferon gamma levels in patients with severe CRS, and so blocking it has rationale. Um, and I think um, that is a, a medication that when you give it, it, it's there, it does have a half-life, and it, it's going to go away, and it shouldn't be directly toxic to the T cells, but it does influence, it does impact um, one of the main cytokines that they use. Um, so there's some concern that it could impact CAR T cell functionality. However, um, Marcella Mouse, uh, his, her, her group has found that in hematologic malignancies and preclinical models, models, it doesn't seem to affect the ability of CAR T cells to be um, effective um, and have effective cytotoxicity. Um, another agent that is sometimes um, considered for highly refractory cases of CRS with HLH-like manifestations includes atopicide. Um, the, there's controversy about using atopicide because it could influence or it, it likely will um, kill CAR T cells. Um, and so there's a concern for efficacy of the CAR T cells and really um, reserving this for when um, you're, there are life-threatening consequences because of the cytokine release syndrome and you really demonstrate a refractoriness to other agents. Um, and then other medications like ruxolitinib um, are often considered as well. And um, I think in, you know this is something that um, it, it has potential to affect the um, efficacy of CAR T cells, but when you're in that refractory circumstance, um, has um, I, I think that it's reasonable to consider adding um, ruxolitinib in as well as a treatment. Um, but all, um, that being said, all of these things really require further study and looking at long-term outcomes of patients who have received these therapies um, when in life-threatening um, situations during CRS. Lastly, Andriana Bankova shares some insights into management strategies for early and late infections in patients treated with CAR-T therapy. We um, now um, basically have recommendation on the prophylactic and management strategy for infections for CAR-T cell therapy. Um, and these are uh, mostly adopted from practice guidelines used in uh, recipients of hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. Um, we uh, also now have an, um, a, a panel of experts that um, updated um, the guidelines um, of the EBMTJC and uh, EHA in 2021. Um, and now what we um, recommend is um, for sure antibacterial prophylaxis only um, in um, some cases, not all cases, for example, cases um, which um, have a prolonged neutropenia should be considered for antibacterial prophylaxis. Uh, patients um, that um, also have um, a prolonged use of, um, of corticosteroids um, uh, should be considered for prophylaxis, but we are um, not giving it on a routinely basis. 
uh, what we do um, at that point uh, in all patients, and this is also being recommended by uh, most of the guidelines, is um, antiviral prophylaxis uh, with aciclovir um, uh, or valaciclovir, basically starting uh, from the time of the infodepletion um, up to 6 to 12 months, um, and also anti-pneumocystis prophylaxis with uh, co-trimoxazole, um, again, starting from the time of lymphodepletion until 6 to 12 months. Um, some guidelines recommend uh, before stop of uh, these prophylactic treatments um, also to measure the count of um, CD4 cells and if this is above 200 per microliter to um, um, stop the prophylaxis. Um, antifungal prophylaxis is also not uh, routinely recommended. Um, in patients with prior um, allogenic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, uh, prior invasive um, aspergillosis, patients receiving corticosteroids, um, posaconosol prophylaxis um, should be considered. This is also the recommendation um, from the panel of, of experts, but again, we uh, do not routinely um, give at that point. This might change, of course, in the future, but at that point, we um, only um, um, try to select risk patients um, and only those receive uh, fungal prophylaxis. Um, also very important, um, as um, we know, neutropenia um, is um, side effect of CAR T cell therapy and um, severe neutropenia and prolonged neutropenia um, is being seen um, in patients uh, post-CAR T cell, um, in particular uh, in the early phase until day 30. Um, so here it is um, recommended to um, apply um, stimulation with GCSF, um, for example, in patients um, following day 14, um, uh, which basically um, still have um, uh, not resolved their neutropenia. Some guidelines uh, recommend now um, the start of GCSF um, a lot earlier. Um, there are centers like starting GCSF stimulation um, very early uh, post-CAR T-cell infusion um, in the first week. Uh, we, in our center, we still don't apply um, GCSF as early, um, but I think here we'll have um, um, coming data showing that um, CRS and ICANS uh, may be really not um, such an issue uh, for patients re receiving GCSF prophylaxis. So this is still ongoing de debate, um, how early you can start and um, um, do you really uh, need to make sure that the patient does not um, um, have CRS and ICANS, uh, which have not resolved um, before you start GCSF? Um, also, um, something we um, um, do and is being recommended is um, um, intravenous uh, immunoglobulin substitution. We know that patients undergoing CAR and um, CD19 and uh, BCMA CAR T cell therapy have a very prolonged hypogammoglobulinemia. Um, in the adult setting, um, it is recommended to um, substitute if um, immunoglobulin levels are below 4 um, gram per liter. Um, in regard of tools and how we um, um, might be able to assess patients at risk, uh, we now know from um, the group from Germany 
um, that there is a tool, the so-called car hematotox um, tool. Um, so there are also now retrospective data showing that basically um, patients with a high score in the car hematotox, which is based on, on neutrophil count, platelet count, ferritin, um, CRP, uh, for uh, the lymphodepletion, basically patients with, with high um, car hematotox um, are at increased risk to develop severe infection. So um, I believe this is also something that um, is going to be now more studied also um, in a prospective manner. So uh, it will be really uh, very interesting to see uh, what might be uh, the recommendation there, basically using the car hematotox tool at our center. We also started to um, to use this tool just to um, to um, see which patients uh, might be at increased risk of uh, prolonged cytopenia and, and also of um, severe infections post-CAR T-cell treatment. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.